This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I think I'm not alone when I say that some days it's easier to quote that verse than others. Some days you just wonder if you can go on. Some days maybe you don't want to go on. Some days Maybe it feels like that day will never end. And we've all had those days. You know, the reason that Mama said that there would be days like this is because Mama experienced those days too. Every one of us experiences those days. And so today is is a mixed bag of emotions for many here. The memories of our loved ones and friends can make our hearts glad, but in the same moments, those same memories can sadden us because we recognize the loss that just seems so real still. Loss is experienced in a variety of ways. And whatever loss is experienced, whether it is a, a loss of a life or a loss of a job, the the loss of a, a relationship, the loss of, of our health, whatever the loss might be, that, that stabilizing force in our life. Whenever we feel like we have lost something, it can feel like the whole world is caving in. When God created it all, he created it very good, didn't he? By his word, he separated the waters from the land. He, he put boundaries on the water so that it could not take over the land. He placed humanity in, this, in, the, in the midst of this chaos that was all around, but kept the, the chaos at bay and called it creation. He fashioned a place of, of paradise for humanity to live in, and all was good until humanity thought their plans would be better than very good. Grace is favor given to someone who deserves the opposite. That's what we've been saying these last few weeks as we've been studying this concept of grace. It is only by God's grace that creation isn't completely destroyed by our rebellion against God. But since that that day that humanity sinned and with it invited chaos back into God's perfect order, God's good creation has at times come crashing back upon itself. It's only by His grace that it doesn't all fall apart. And there are those, those days where it just kind of seems like, uh, you know, in a moment all could be lost. It kind of feels some days like like the earth's foundations are so unstable. And there was at one point, remember, at least where the, the boundaries of the waters were no longer. And the waters covered the face of the earth. 
and the whole earth was flooded. When the earth was, was flooded, there was one man and his family that was rescued. That's grace. In fact, the very first mention of this, this idea, this term, this word grace or favor is this story. And the scriptures say that Noah found favor, or the word is grace, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But I want us for a, a moment to consider what that grace was that he received. I mean, his life was preserved. That's, that's good, right? That's grace. And, and it wasn't because he, he necessarily deserved it. He was a good man, and it says that. But, but all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God, right? He wasn't deserving of this necessarily, his life was, was preserved. His family was preserved. That's good. But when you think about Noah, consider this, that no one experienced more loss in their life than Noah and his family experienced. I mean, they literally saw the world crashing in all around them. Didn't they? All along the the. the Wherever they looked, they saw the world's rebellion and the carnage of that rebellion all around them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but understand, it wasn't all unicorns and rainbows, was it? I don't think there was one single unicorn on that boat. I could be wrong. And that rainbow, he did see a rainbow, right? The first he had to wait a long time before he saw that rainbow. I want us to just consider just for a moment what that would have been like. Imagine what it would have been like to, to stay on that boat uh, almost a year. Imagine the noise. Some of you like the cicada noise. I like the cicada. Imagine the noise on that boat. Imagine, think for a moment, eight people on that boat and they had to do all the care for those animals. They had to grow their own food. Have you thought about that? They had to grow their own food on that boat. Not only their own food, but all the food for the animals. They had to try to keep the, the bats from eating the mosquitoes. I mean, that's a challenge, I would think. And I'd want to just let the bats go, you know, eat those mosquitoes, and then we'll find something to take care of the bats, right? Imagine what, what they had to deal with, stench on the boat. Don't imagine too deeply there, okay? We don't want to clean up any messes here. It would probably turn your stomach to really consider what they had to live through. It rained 40 days, but it was, it was 150 days before the waters began to recede. 150 days on a boat with seven other personalities. Now, I, don't, I don't care how good of a person you are, spending that much time in that little of space with that kind of, you know, your idiosyncrasies are going to be seen. And you have to deal with that. It could have been up to a year. 
that they were struggling to stay alive on that boat and not kill anything or anybody on that boat. And yet the first time that we see this word mentioned in Scripture, Noah found grace. What kind of grace did Noah find? Certainly he, he found God's seeking grace. We've talked about that, right? And, and how God picked him out and said, hey, I want you to follow me. And Noah said yes. And he understood saving grace because, you know, and we understand the ark as, as a, an image of the saving grace of God. He had to have known sanctity grace if he was living with his family for that long in that kind of space you know at some point you're going to want to get out and take a walk with some fresh air you can't do that he's going to have to know uh, of course this sending grace that we talked about god said do this and he built a boat he did it he knows about grace sustaining grace for sure. But what kind of grace did he know in that boat for a year? We're talking today about sufficient grace. God's sufficient grace is the grace that gets you through. God's sufficient grace is realized on those days when you wake up and the sun isn't shining again. God's sufficient grace is, is recognized when there's no freedom afforded you. Your future is abysmal at best and the clouds above you are as thick as the manure at your feet. It's God's sufficient grace that gets you through those days. When the skies aren't blue and the streets aren't paved in gold, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, the apostle of Jesus, experienced this sufficient grace. It'd be difficult to find anyone, any time, who has ever done more for the understanding of the gospel and the spread of the gospel and the exemplifying of the gospel than Paul. He wrote more than half of the New Testament uh, through letters that he sent to these churches that he had started, that he had kind of fathered. These, these letters kind of paint this beautiful picture of who God is and, and who Jesus is, the role of the church. And, and we still, some 2,000 years later, still depend on Paul's writings to understand who God is and, and who Jesus was and is for us today. We are eternally indebted to Paul. But life was not easy for Paul. He had some incredible encounters with God. He, he had visions and revelations. He talks about getting a glimpse into paradise where he heard inexpressible things. Yet he is bashful even of mentioning what he calls surpassingly great revelations. He doesn't want people to think he's boasting about these. After all, he, he didn't set these visions up. This was a gift from God. This was grace from God. God. 
But he seems to know that if we aren't careful, we can wrongly attribute the goodness of God to something maybe we think we've earned. And so he says this. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. We're not given more information than that of what that thorn be. He, he mentioned several times in his writings that he had some eye trouble. So some have, have wondered if maybe this was a physical thorn, that he, just, he, had, he had bad eyesight or maybe some headaches that he had to deal with. We also know that he felt a heavy weight of all the churches that he had, had fathered. And we know this one in particular, this church at, at Corinth, uh, there was a strained relationship between Paul and the Corinthian church. So we don't know if this, this thorn was, was physical or emotional or relational, but whatever it was, it was bad enough that Paul said, it's like a messenger from Satan that is tormenting me. Three times, he says, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. Now understand this. You need to understand this, that Paul was no wimp, was he? Just earlier in the chapter before, it talks a little bit about what kinds of things he had endured. He had been beaten. He had been stoned. He had been left for dead. He had been shipwrecked three times. One of those times when he was shipwrecked, he says, I was, I was just kind of hanging out on, on some wreckage from the boat all night in the open sea and all day. He has stories. He'd gotten through a lot. But whatever this thorn was, he had prayed earnestly that God would heal the issue. Surely he would have been a better minister of God if God would have healed him. Right? I mean, isn't that our thinking? Have have you prayed that way? I've prayed that way. I've prayed that way for some of you. God, this would be great if you would just heal them. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Paul Paul had to be thinking, surely, God, I I could do more for you if I wasn't in prison. You know what he got done in prison? He wrote the Bible. Noah could have prayed, surely you could speed things up a bit. Couldn't you, God? You made the rains come. You can make them go away pretty quickly. You or I could pray, there's got to be a better way. Please, Lord, deliver me. And that's what what God does for Paul, right? In these moments, he he prays three times, I I want this thorn removed from me. And, And on the third time, right? He actually says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, the thorn wasn't taken away. 
I can almost sense the, the, the Corinthians as they are reading this letter that Paul is sending, you know, and, and, and you know, this is the guy who's experienced all these visions and revelations and, and performed miracles himself to, to see people healed. And, and he's talking about this thorn. He's really going to boast about himself here. He's, he's going to talk about, I prayed three times, and on the third time, God answered and healed me. That's not what they read. Paul says, God did answer me, but the answer was not what I was hoping for. The answer was, I'll be with you. My grace is sufficient for you. There are times when God's grace just overwhelms us. Have you been in those experiences where you just feel God's grace is just just on you and you're feeling overjoyed by that? You're feeling overwhelmed by that. And those times, we love those times. And then there are times when His grace well, is just enough. It's sufficient. It's just enough. It's like daily manna. It, it can't be stored up for tomorrow. It's just enough for today. The times are still tough, but His grace is sufficient. His grace will see you through. Your, his grace will lead you home. Have you ever noticed that, that sometimes, oftentimes, those who seem to be going through the toughest days seem to be the closest to Jesus? Have you ever noticed that? What's that all about? I have seen that again and again and again, specifically in these last two years. It's been tough on us. Some of you have experienced loss that is the, the greatest loss that you have ever experienced in your lives. And what I've watched is a grace that is sufficient. A grace that will see you through. Whatever will come against you on this journey of grace, there is grace enough that will see you through. As David Busick says, sufficient grace remains an intellectual reality until we need it most. I think that's good. We don't really totally understand sufficient grace. We didn't mention Dan Fern today, but I'm thinking about your and the loss of your dad and then your mom and stepdad. That's sufficient grace. That's grace that's just enough to get you through what you're going through. And some of you know that. 
And you don't know about sufficient grace until you go through something like that. I could say that about many of you, couldn't I? Some of you have been carried by God's grace. And some perhaps need to be reminded that God longs to be present with you through whatever you are going through. And that if you will notice his reach to you and accept his lordship, he will never leave you. He will get you through. God said to Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. Some of you will recall if you've been a part of this series, we've, you've, we've, we've come up against this word perfect before. My power will be made complete. My power will be made mature. My power will, will be telos. It'll be everything that it's supposed to be in your weakness. David Busick paraphrases what God says this way. You are stronger in your weakest moments when I am with you than you are in your strongest moments without me. So Paul can conclude with these words. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am, what's the word? Strong. This is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> Thank you, Marion. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And maybe that still feels like a stretch for you. There are some things maybe that make you sad today. But one thing you can celebrate in that can bring delight even in your suffering, you can rejoice that your God journeys with you. Aren't you thankful for his grace? So do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Amen. 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 It might have helped Paul just a little bit to have a glimpse of paradise. You know, he said, I, I was caught up to the third heaven or the fourth or fifth. I don't know. Was, I, was I in the body? Was I out of the body? I don't know. But I, I was caught up and I got a glimpse of paradise. A remade Eden where sin is banished and creation is forever made firm. 
Listen, if you have a loved one waiting for you in paradise, then you have a glimpse of paradise. Isn't that a great thought? If you have met Jesus, you have a glimpse of paradise. Scripture gives us this promise. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Listen, if the sun doesn't come up tomorrow, if the sun doesn't come up tomorrow, his grace is sufficient. When the pain of loss threatens you, His grace is sufficient for you. When you seem paralyzed by the pain, let Him carry you. His grace is sufficient for you. 